0: It's Friday, October 9th, 2020. And from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, it's Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. 2020 is a pretty big year for us here at PEC. You may know it's our organization's 50th anniversary this year, and we've been celebrating all year long. Of course, that is not the only landmark we're celebrating. This fall also marks the 10th annual PEC Environment Ride. For the uninitiated, that is a two-day bike adventure around Philadelphia and surrounding areas in southeastern Pennsylvania and occasionally parts of New Jersey. It's a fundraiser for Peck, but it's actually a lot more than that. It's a chance to experience the landscape at the heart of our work in a slightly different way. From the saddle of a bike, you see the good and the bad, the challenges as well as the impacts of work already done. And you see how that work is connected how advancing outdoor recreation opportunities can help support watershed health and vice versa, or how trail connectivity can promote more sustainable transportation and healthier lifestyle habits. Likewise, environment riders come to the team from different backgrounds, but they all share two things, a passion for cycling and a commitment to environmental stewardship. Today we're going to hear from several team members about what brought them to the PEC Environment Ride, what they get out of it, and how the experience informs their values. First up is Dr. Gerald Allman of Chester County. He's chaired the Environment Ride Committee since its inception 10 years ago. I started by asking Jerry how this year's ride is different from the previous nine. Well, with
1: every year we have learned a lot and uh, have ended up producing a pretty spectacular event in terms of logistics and uh, the fun value of the ride. So it's not going to be a lot different except for uh, the COVID restrictions we have in place, um, which uh, have been uh, daunting to say the least. Uh, So uh, what we do is uh, over the course of the past 10 years, we've tried to showcase different parts of Southeastern Pennsylvania um, and some of the work that Peck and uh, her sister organizations have been working on in the area. So this year, for example, um, we are gonna start in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, which is not quite center of Chester County, but um, on the Northern edge. And we will ride to Lancaster, Pennsylvania And then the second day, we'll ride from Lancaster to Wilmington, which gets us out of Pennsylvania a little bit. And then third day, we'll ride from Wilmington back to Philadelphia. Uh, Along the way, we're going to hit, again, several of the projects that Peck has been involved with in years past.
0: I gather that in the past, there has been... You know, a, a sort of a theme or a logic implicit in the selection of the route. Is that the case for this year? Was there any particular set of vistas you were trying to provide people with or experiences you were trying to create?
1: Yeah, so I keep in mind what PEC works on. And, you know, right now out here, there's not a lot of active projects happening. Um, but what I do basically is I put together my favorite parts of Chester and Lancaster counties. Um, because I live out here and we have uh, an embarrassment of riches, and so I like to share them with everybody. And uh, this year, I think, uh, uh, getting back to your first uh, comment, question is uh, in our area, the sale of the Chester Water Authority is a big, big deal. And, you know, water issues are always at the forefront of PEC's work. So uh, we're going to be riding in and amongst a lot of the lands that feed that watershed, and uh, there's going to be uh, lots of signage about this issue. And you know, hopefully, we'll have a chance to discuss it a bit. Okay.
0: So you mentioned COVID restrictions. Could you go into a little more detail? How is how are you handling this to ensure safety for everyone?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, we had no idea we'd be able to pull this off based on where things were early in the year, and uh, you know, we just started planning with about five different contingency plans from zero to full full go. And um, what we landed on is all of our riders are being tested this week. Uh, So everybody will show up at the start of the ride with a negative COVID test. Everybody's been made aware of all the possible signs of COVID and are uh, pledged to report or, you know, make everybody else aware if there's anything of issue with their themselves. Um, We're going to do temperature checks every morning. uh, So everybody will be scanned before they start in Philadelphia or Downingtown. And then every morning of the ride, we're going to do temperature checks with a scanner. And if there's any question, we have a more accurate digital thermometer to follow up and verify that everybody is in fact afebrile. Um, We're going to stay fairly socially distanced the entire ride. Uh, We'll be wearing masks whenever we're anywhere near another human being. Uh, When we're having our meals, which was one of our bigger glitches, trying to figure out how to do that. Um, We're gonna stay somewhat socially distanced and knock on wood and weather permitting, we'll be eating outside. So those are the sort of the overviews of the precautions we've taken to keep everybody safe and we're gonna remain in our own little bubble for the duration.
0: So, apart from having a wonderful experience and seeing all these sites and having spending some time outdoors and, and feeling good riding a bike, the the purpose of the ride, as you as you mentioned, is as a fundraiser for PEC. Can you talk a little bit about how that w- works? Like, what are the mechanics of the fundraising, and and how is the effort going this year?
1: Sure. So, every rider pledges to raise a minimum of fifteen hundred dollars in order to participate, and I will say that historically most riders have raised significantly more than their minimal pledge amount. And I'm not sure what that average is, but I believe it's somewhere in the order of about double to double plus a little bit. And um, so far, the uh, fundraising is going really, really well. Um, We're ahead of where we've ever been, I believe, um, in past years. Uh, We have more riders this year, which should bump up our numbers. And um, you know, part of the benefit of this ride is, you know, when we're out there, you know, we're wearing a, a, a kit, which is your riding outfit that we um, have developed every year for the ride. And this year, Peter Calipuri, one of our riders, designed beautiful kits and it celebrates our 10th anniversary for the ride and PEC's 50th anniversary as a nonprofit organization. So people see us, people ask us questions about who we are and what we're doing. So it raises a greater awareness of PEC and PEC's mission. Um, And also, you know, as each of us in our fundraising reaches out to people that we know, um, it further spreads the word and people have been very, very generous in supporting what PEC is doing.
0: We're going to be talking to various members of the team, I think, on this podcast episode, but for for you, both as a rider and participant in the event, and as also one of the planners and organizers, what does it mean to you to participate in the environment ride? Uh, What do you get out of it, personally? Oh, uh,
1: there's a lot I get out of it. One, you know, I love to ride my bike, so... Um, I get the benefits of all the training advantages, all the miles you've got to put in, in order to do the ride this year, we're going to be covering about 200 miles over those two and a half days. So it's, um, it's a significant mileage. That's no joke. Uh, One thing we've added this year, uh, because we have some very strong riders in our group, um, on our second day, the Saturday, we're going to have a full century ride and a century ride is a hundred mile in, in one day. Uh, Most of the riders are going to do about 70 miles, which is no small feat, Mm -hmm. Um, but there are going to be a number of riders who complete a full century ride on the Saturday. So the benefits of training, being outside in a beautiful setting in Chester County and Lancaster County, where I live, is great. Uh, In years past, um, I got to explore some areas north of Philadelphia along the Delaware River, uh, which are old industrial sites, and I found it just stunning and beautiful in a different sort of way, very interesting historically, so I've learned a lot about Philadelphia's past history, um, some of the environmental impacts those industries may have had uh, on the region, and again, efforts that PEC has made to uh, you know, reclaim land that once was either a brownfield or maybe not quite that bad. Um, and the other things I've gotten out of it is what I have learned about organizing an event like this. I feel like I could go out and start a uh, touring business if I wanted to. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm very selective about people I want to be with and ride with. so <laughs> I, I don't want to do something like that, but you know, I've learned the nuts and bolts of doing it. Uh, we have a tremendous committee that helps put it all together because, you know when we start this thing and started the thing the first thing we have to do is identify where we can put up 20 to 30 people um and uh, you know we decided early on that most of us who are a bit older have no interest in camping so (laughs) we don't have the fanciest hotels in this part of the world but they're not bad and they've gotten better over the years so that's you know
0: I think if you ride 100 miles in a day, you've earned a night's sleep in a real bed. Exactly. So um, so
1: I would say those are the, the major benefits. Uh, the, and the last thing I would say is the people I've met along the way have been uh, just amazing. And I've, I've made some new friends that I'm sure I'll have for life.
0: I completed a century ride exactly once. So that was in 1996. And uh, I, I haven't attempted to repeat that. But This is a fairly committed group of athletes you've got. This isn't like a casual kind of cruising around the countryside on a weekend. You guys are all pretty serious. Well, actually,
1: actually no. Um, And that's one of the beauties of this is we have the gamut. We have people who are, I mean, everybody is athletic because they are riding a lot of miles, but several of the people in our group have been casual riders. People have come to us from all sorts of backgrounds, and you know, one of the things we stress is: yes, we have some really serious, committed riders who you know can blow most of us away, but most of us are you know middle of the packers, just uh, plugging along and getting it done and having a good time along the way.
0: What is does what training look like for this? Are you you're training specifically for this event for a, a pretty good chunk of the summer? I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I you know I came to it as a triathlete, so you know I'd spent. 20 some years training a lot Um, and so what i've told people especially people who are new to this sort of thing is to you know think of training as getting on your bike and having fun and pick don't worry about distances but pick a time frame that you want to ride in because uh, well this year has been particularly difficult um, because of the lockdown early on Uh, There were some benefits in that the roads were much clearer of car traffic um, early in the year. Now it's sort of back to normal. Um, But I've told people, uh, you know, pick, um, say you want to ride three or four days a week, start riding maybe an hour, half an hour the first week or two, and just increase your riding by time segments. And don't worry particularly about a mileage. And if you did that over the course of several months, you're ready for the ride. And we've had a couple of group training rides um, uh, with people that I didn't know that are new to the group, just so I could get an idea of where they were and how they rode and all that sort of thing. And I've just been pleasantly surprised with everybody who, you know, can get the job done and there'll be no no issues. And the other part of it is we have um, uh, three three vehicles that are with us at all times to provide support and. Um, we, we know where all the bike shops are, and so we can handle pretty much anything. A Couple of the people who crew for us are pretty good mechanics. We can fix minor problems on the road as we travel. And fortunately, uh, except for one year when we had a pretty major mechanical issue, uh, we've, had, we've had no others. So it's been good.
0: And we haven't talked about the anniversary, but this is the 10th ride, right?
1: It is. It's hard to believe <laughs> when when the idea was first presented to me. I had met Patrick casually uh, when I had hosted a group ride for some friends from Center City Philadelphia, and he was among the people that showed up, attached to somebody that I casually knew. And I got a phone call a couple of weeks later suggesting this, and you know, I said, that, you know, and this was November or December before our first year. And uh, he told me what he wanted to do. And I said, well, there's no way to pull that off. And, and we did (laughs) so, (laughs) and it just grew from there. So Patrick was a very good motivator.
0: All right. Well, Jerry, thanks a lot for your time today. Okay. You take care. Jerry Allman is the long-serving chair of the PEC environment ride planning committee back for his 10th ride this year. Now, on the opposite end of the experience spectrum, Madge Montser is a first-time environment writer, but as you'll hear, she is no stranger to grassroots environmental advocacy and volunteering.
2: This is Madge. I also go by Mary Margaret. My last name is Moncer. I'm from Ambler, Pennsylvania. I work in healthcare as a nurse anesthetist, uh, but really my passion is the environment. Several years ago I got involved with the Ambler Environmental Advisory Council. Uh, it was a meeting that I went to and the next thing I knew I was getting more and more involved. I was moving towards becoming an empty nester and I had a lot more time on my hands to to work on, on things that were important to me. Uh, when I first got started in the, the Ambler EAC, I started to hear a lot of acronyms about things I didn't know about, MS4. TMDL. So I started to do a lot of research, and I figured if I didn't know, there was other people in my community who didn't know as well. And um, I put together a PowerPoint presentation on what stormwater is, and what is an MS 4 and, you know, what are TMDLs, and how do they all go together, and and why should we even care about that? And then when I realized um, the significant impact that stormwater has on our community... Um, particularly a community like Ambler Borough that's so built out. And I started to note that our our watershed, the Wissahickon watershed, um, was an impaired watershed and uh, started to talk to the folks over at Whistakon Trails a little bit more about what is our watershed and what's going on here and uh, what can we do about it. And uh, then from there, I noted a program that Penn State Extension puts out called the Master Watershed Steward Program, and that was one of the most exciting classes I ever took. It was like going on a field trip every week for 13 weeks, and I learned so much more about watersheds and and what we can do about them. And I started to relate that back to our community and look around our community to see what we were doing and what more we could do. At the same time, I was getting more involved, I was starting to look for workshops where I could learn more. And that's how I really initially became involved with the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, is the different programming that they had on watershed. Uh, Susan Myrov and Paul Reset would put together workshops where municipal leaders and environmental uh, organizations could come together and learn more about watersheds and what's going on within the communities to share information with one another. This is my, my first big bike ride that I've I've ever done. I've been following the Pennsylvania Environmental Council for a number of years because they're such great environmental advocates. Uh, for sustainability, in particular, watersheds. But I couldn't help but notice an email that ended up in my account for the early bird special for a bike ride. And knowing that my husband is really involved in biking, I signed us up. As soon as I signed us up, I immediately decided from that day forward I was going to bike to work. And I work at Einstein Montgomery, which is 10.6 miles away from my house. And uh, it was a good workout. I had to learn how to leave a little bit earlier and I got home a little bit later, but not too much. And it, it really started to build up my stamina and my confidence in, in biking on roads. I do really enjoy being on a, a bike and seeing the perspective of of the waterways, being able to ride along the Wissahickon, which is just a beautiful creek. I think it brings you much closer to nature and you recognize how important those trails are to people to be able to get out and to connect. I think when you're riding along the cross-country trail and you look down and you see a dry creek bed, you know, you're wondering what's going on with that creek bed. And then you might ride by You know a beautiful basin that is naturalized and now i can see it because i'm on my bike and i look at that beautiful basin and i look at it being naturalized versus mode and that just thrills my heart that um, i see basins that are moving in the right direction
0: that's madge monster of ambler pa We'll wrap up today's show with two members of a workplace cohort who joined this year's Environment Ride. GEI Consultants is a national environmental and geotechnical engineering firm with whom Peck has collaborated on numerous occasions. GEI's Philly office is represented on the Environment Ride this year by four staff members, including Jamie Stinchula and Ryan Schaefer.
3: GEI is... uh primarily in a geotechnical and environmental company. You know, In our Mount Laurel office, our local office, we work primarily for utility companies on their legacy environmental sites, mostly former manufactured gas plant sites. So we work for quite a few utilities cleaning up contamination basically. So PEC is just a natural fit because of, because of the work they do with wanting to uh, restore watersheds, ecological restoration, those sorts of things. GEI does a lot of that work across the country and uh it's it's sort of a natural fit and obviously the 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 trails portion of of peck's work is really interesting from a personal point of view like ryan said that i am on the the schuylkill river banks all the time with my bike and and uh you know just want to see as many of those trails be constructed and and maintained throughout the state as possible
4: and just to kind of echo what jamie was saying i mean i think the the stormwater work in the area is uh i think it's it's very important for for, for companies to focus on. Um, so, yeah, I personally would like to see, uh, you know, more improvement of the stormwater conditions in the area. As someone who lives along the, the Wissahickon Gorge and has access to uh, the Forbidden Drive and all those other trails, um, I got pretty excited about something I could do to help support Peck's mission. Definitely, for me, biking along the trails or on the trails and along the roads, I get to, you know, get to bear witness to the beauty that's of the, of the state and uh, you know, and wanting to preserve it, also just like hiking along the trails as well. Uh, some of the great trails that you know, Peck probably had at a hand in, in uh, getting out there. I definitely see where the importance of good stormwater management. You know, a lot of the remediation sites I'm involved in are like along a waterway, and might have some impacts to the waterways. But you know, once we 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 remediate those and we clean them up, they. Their overall effect of just those few sites really doesn't really stack up to the problem with non-point source stormwater pollution. Like Ryan said, many of our sites,
3: if if not all, are typically located, historic, ind- historical industrial sites are typically located along waterways where there's been a release. And our remediations often look at uh, stream bank restoration when we're having to remove soils or do groundwater cleanup. And so... We've been taking care of little pieces of, of contaminated st- portions of these uh, streams through our work for years. And it's, it's pretty gratifying, especially when you can do a full-blown ecological restoration and help not only help with just reducing the contamination but in, increasing the biodiversity uh dealing with invasive species and, and reconstructing a more viable habitat but again really those are just pieces of this like ryan was saying you know the overall non-point source pollution issues that are degrading watersheds are the other things that we you know really need to take care of and that that points towards stormwater management basically so it, it all links together to to, to really uh Developing vibrant watersheds and vibrant streams. And because we're not relying on those areas as much for industry, turning those over to recreation is, is, is a lot easier. I mean, the rails to trails, and I mean, s- several specific projects we worked on are going to be converted into parks that are right next to, to rivers, some on the Lackawanna, um, other smaller rivers, some along the Jersey Shore. So it, it, it's uh, in our line of work, it gets gratifying to be able to make those types of changes. You know, I I needed to get more in shape and do something and have myself get pushed a little bit to uh, do some more physical activity. And I thought, you know, (laughs) you get to do these rides, which really, you know, they push me to my limit. (laughs) I know that. (laughs) So uh, part of it was definitely wanting to get some impetus to get in shape for
4: sure. I've got a couple of, of young children, so I pretty much get out whenever I can, you know, for a couple hours in the mornings. I shoot for the the hilly routes so I can really, you know, put put the stress on my legs and get and get ready for this. Generally, weekend mornings I can when I can sneak out and get a little haul pass from from my uh, family to to go out for a few hours because it is, you know, you got to put several hours of training in in a clip to be ready for this. Um, I think it's like 190 miles over three days. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a lot of mileage. Yeah, so. and it's, it, it, like Ryan said, it's the vertical. I I, I can
3: ride a flat stretch 100 miles easily but the, the, the verticals challenges me and Pennsylvania's pretty hilly versus South Jersey so i've been going to Fairmount Park i have a route where i try to hit hit as many hills as i can and and you know ride for 2 or 3 hours you know 2 or 3 times a week I'm probably not as prepared as i should be for this ride but i'm just you know going to dig in and, and do it
4: <laughs> i'll do fine just just like the last couple of years
3: yeah my goal is just to do the best i can to finish the ride and and that's about it <laughs> and have fun yeah and have fun and we always do have fun i think we've exceeded our goal as a team for fundraising which is great and uh you know there's still a little bit of time left and i think yeah. overall the ride's meeting its goals so that's great
4: yeah happy to be a part of it and uh yeah like i said be looking forward to getting out with this great group of folks again
0: was Ryan Schaefer and Jamie Stinchula, half the team from GEI Consultants participating in the 2020 PEC Environment Ride. Thanks also to Madge Montser and Jerry Allman, who we heard from earlier, as well as the rest of the team and support crew for putting in the miles and raising the pledge dollars to make this event successful. Of course, you can be a part of the team, too. By making your pledge before the end of October, just go to PECPA.org slash PECRIDE donate pecpaorg slash ride dash donate not to worry we will share the link in the episode description and of course if you're really hardcore you can always make plans to join the team for next year's ride it's open to anybody but you might want to get started training sooner rather than later we'll share information in the spring about uh, plans for next year's peck environment ride And that's it for this edition of Pennsylvania Legacies. So glad you could join us once again. We'll be back before you know it with a new episode. In the meantime, you can get caught up on past episodes of Pennsylvania Legacies on the PEC website, pecpa.org once again. We're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else podcasts are available. For the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Josh Rollerson. And as always, thanks for listening.